From PQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. Hi, this is Lee Stein. I'm here to read a section from my first novel, The Fallback Plan, which is set in suburban Chicagoland where I grew up, and it's about Esther Kohler, who is 22 years old, graduates from Northwestern with a theater degree, and is forced to move back in with her parents because she doesn't have a fallback plan. This is from the first chapter, The Lilac Capital of the World. In June, the monsoons hit Bangladesh. Chinese police discovered slaves in a brickwork factory who couldn't be sent home because they were too traumatized to remember anything but their own names, and Dr. Kevorkian was released from prison. In other news, I moved in with my parents. I had somehow managed to graduate with a theater degree from Northwestern, but without a job or a trust fund, I had to choose between moving home and suffering the rancid fate of a nomadic couch surfer. This hadn't been anyone's original plan, and somewhere in the gap between the end of winter break and graduation, my parents had converted my childhood bedroom into a home theater. No one had mentioned it to me. They assumed I'd be just as thrilled as they were. They took down my map of the world, my kitschy chandelier, and the panel of Gustav Klimt wallpaper I had pasted above my bed. I smoothed all those air bubbles out with a sponge by hand, I told my mom when I saw what she'd done. The room was now nautical-themed. The new wallpaper looked benign enough from far away, but if you got up close, you saw that it was patterned with cats wearing sailor caps. A small part of me threw up. There was a leather couch where my bed had been, and the shelves above held my parents' DVD collection, which consisted of romantic comedies from the early 90s and the Chuck Norris omnibus. Did you think I would never come home, I said? Remember what you said when you were 14 or 15? You said that once you graduated college, you'd rather live in a car than live with us, she said, and left me alone in that room to grieve for lost objects. I was kidding, I called after her, but she didn't come back. I didn't even own a car. I briefly imagined moving back to Evanston, walking to the lake, and throwing myself in. But how would I even get back to Evanston without a car? I moved my clothes and books into the guest room downstairs, which smelled like pumpkin spice potpourri year-round, and was very close to the tree where the cicadas screamed at night. Was I jealous that Jack Kevorkian was free and I was not? Yes, yes I was. And so began my summer as an unemployed college graduate. My goal was to develop a chronic illness that would entitle me to monthly checks from the government, tender sympathy for my loved ones, and a good deal of time in bed with the collected work of Frances Hodgson Burnett. I've always been ambitious. I had my fingers crossed for a disease without a cure, but a mild one, nothing disfiguring or painful. Of all the plans I could have made for how to spend the rest of my life, this seemed the most desirable because it required the least of me. It was a form of surrender. My dad subscribed to Time and Newsweek, in addition to the Chicago Tribune, and he read on the train on the way to work. He read in his favorite armchair with a glass of Cabernet before dinner. He read in the bathroom. I didn't think this was just a healthy interest in current events. I recognized this as an addiction, because it was one I shared. Around our house, the paranoia and sense of impending doom was escalating, until finally the day came when my dad told me that he was going to have to start charging me rent to offset the cost of the home security system he had just ordered. 
but you just turned my childhood bedroom into a cineplex i said it increases the value of the home my mom said but i don't have any money remember that's why i live with you i had applied at petco and starbucks but neither was hiring so i made flyers to advertise my services as a dog walker they remained in a stack on my desk whenever i looked at them i either got lost in an invalid fantasy or i thought jesus esther you were tested as gifted and talented in first grade you were a lilac princess in the lilac parade and you starred in a student film called russian bride zombies from hell you shouldn't have to walk dogs or suffer from rheumatoid arthritis sophia coppola should hire you as her personal assistant you should get paid to update her website and remember to bring a bag of her favorite snack foods when you two have to fly to international film festivals together esther did you hear what i just said my mom said what i said do you want to help me plant wildflowers in the front i'll pay you eight dollars an hour if by plant wildflowers you mean inherit a hundred thousand dollars from a dead relative i've never met so that i can visit the catacombs in paris then yes i said my friend tyranny was abroad for the summer on a trip financed by her grandmother as a graduation present the last email she'd sent me was from paris the subject read beaucoup de garçons maybe you can get a job at the movie theater at the mall and you can see movies for free my dad said you like movies he was making signs on our computer to print and post around the house that reminded me and my mom to lock the doors and windows how do i make all this text fit on one page do i click this white box with the magnifying glass no i said stop let me do it it only took two seconds and he kept asking me to slow down so he could see what i was doing i knew he wouldn't remember anyway so i didn't isn't that something my mom said putting on her reading glasses to watch over our shoulders can you at least write down what you just did so i can do it again later if you're not home my dad said maybe we could pay her to give us computer lessons paul you don't have to pay me i'll write them down later dad can i borrow the car tonight if you put on some pants he said i looked at my legs i was only wearing the t-shirt i had worn to bed the night before on the front it had a picture of a gray wolf standing on a cliff howling at a full moon the moon was surrounded by silvery clouds coming out of a ghost-like woman's mouth this was my so ugly it's awesome shirt but my parents didn't appreciate that even after i explained it to them i poured myself a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch for dinner and took it to my room so i wouldn't have to sit at the table with my parents and talk about my plans i had been rereading the books i loved as a child mysteries and fantasies books in which the heroines were orphans or runaways or holocaust martyrs i liked that even though they faced insurmountable obstacles their objectives were always clear cereal in hand i got into bed with the lion the witch and the wardrobe thirty pages in i started to fall asleep but i had promised to hang out with my friend pickle later so to stay awake i brought my laptop over from my desk and googled images of baby pandas baby panda waving baby panda at the playground baby panda in a blue plastic basket i should write a screenplay i thought about four baby pandas who go to stay with their uncle in the english countryside to hide from german bombers one day they're playing hide and go seek when the littlest panda finds this amazing portal to another world but the other baby pandas don't believe her and later they're filled with regret because in the other world she enters into an indecent relationship with a much older panda 
and they don't know how to bring her back. I'll do that, I thought. Later, I'll write a screenplay. I read an email from Shimon in Connecticut, who said she was having a fantastic time stage-managing a production of Equus and was sleeping with an actor who played one of the horses. Melissa wrote to say she had decided to stay in Evanston for the summer and also wanted to let me know that her teenage brother got caught doing coke at space camp. All my girlfriends were having the times of their lives, like Jennifer Gray, pre-rhinoplasty. I took a Vicodin I found in the medicine cabinet, left over from when I had my wisdom teeth out, and tried to tame the wild shrubbery of my hair with gelatinous goop. Twenty minutes later, I looked less Diana Ross, more mangy dog, a failure. I went back into the guest room and crawled around the floor of the closet, which was now filled with the salvaged wreckage of my former bedroom, looking for my favorite black shirt. It felt cool and dark in there, like the bottom of the ocean. I found a stack of trapper keepers from middle school, a pair of pink leg warmers, my collection of Little House on the Prairie and Beatrix Potter books, and a box of 64 crayons. I found the shirt and changed into it. Pants next. Then my phone made a noise, and I crawled back to my bed to get it. There was a text message from Pickle that said he was off work and going over to Jack's and I should meet them. Kay, I wrote back. But then, instead of standing up, I decided to see how long I could keep crawling. What if you couldn't walk, Esther, I thought. What if that was your affliction? I kneeled to turn off the light in my room, and then I crawled into the hallway, through the living room, and toward the front door. My dad was asleep on the couch with the TV on mute. Why did we own so many TVs? I couldn't understand it. I had to crawl past him to get to the staircase, where my purse was hanging over the banister, and I pretended I was a sand cat, in the desert, stealthily hunting for lizards in the dark. Esther? My mom was standing at the top of the stairs, flossing her teeth. Yes? Are you going out? I dropped something, I said. I think I dropped something. Okay, be safe, she said. Do you have your keys? Be sure to lock behind you, my dad said, opening and closing his eyes like garage doors. He turned off the TV and resealed the bag of cookies on the coffee table. I stood and let myself out. Across the street, dusk was falling to the west behind the gas plant. Down came the first stars. The world seemed so safe and secure, but I knew that at any moment an asteroid could fall on us, or a bomb, summoned by our fear of it and it wouldn't matter if we had locked our doors or not. Thousands of miles away, a bus could explode and destroy a mosque and a tourist from San Diego. A polar bear could drown, and a teenage girl could lose her feet in a roller coaster accident on the same exact day. You always heard people say, I never thought it would happen to me, so my strategy was to think of it all. Terrorist attack, amusement park dismemberment, death by climate change and used my grim imagination as a preventative measure in the face of the random universe. I kicked a cicada shell to the side of the driveway with my sandal and got in the car. The radio was playing that song about the guy who would walk a thousand miles across the country for the girl. Everyone loved that song. I would put it on the Littlest Panda soundtrack. When I backed out of the driveway, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I was looking at the moths near our porch light, for a second I thought they were snowflakes in June, and then I ran over the curb a little bit. I could see my dad at the window near the front door. I waved. He shook his head. 
I turned off the radio and drove west into the silent, encroaching darkness. To subscribe to The Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.